Welcome to the Jordan Journey Podcast. Each episode, we're going to take you with us on a journey talking with teachers in Jordan School District. We're excited to have you come along for the ride. Hi, I'm Jared Covilli. And I'm Kara Bettis. Kara, this month we're looking at the ISTE coaching standard called Professional Learning Facilitator. So let's think just a little bit about that. What, what's been kind of your experience as an adult mm. and as a teacher taking professional development? Yeah, um, I, I love learning. Like, that's why I became a teacher, right? It's because I always wanted to be in a place where I would be learning new stuff. And um, as a teacher, you have a lot of opportunities for like, great professional development and not so great professional development. And you learn that really early on that like, hey, this was worth my time or this was not worth the time. And so when I think about professional learning, especially within the context of what we do, like I want everything that we create for teachers to be worth their time. I want it to be valuable. Um, But it also is kind of like this special mix that you need to get just right. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a, it's a special moment when it all comes together perfectly. What about you? What do you think about professional learning? Do you know, I think what you just said there, there is a secret sauce to it, just like being in the classroom where when it goes really well, um, it reminds people of why they want to be teachers Mm. and why they want to be involved and be part of the world of education. Yeah. When it's a miss, it's just a real drag yeah. for people that just just doesn't feel like it made them feel like professionals mm-hmm. or that you valued their time. So I agree with everything that you just said. It's so important that when we bring people into a session, whether it's short mm-hmm. or a day, that we make sure it's valuable to them and, and makes them, inspires them to want to do more and be the kind of teacher that they want to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the key word in the standard is facilitator, right? Yeah, that we that. are facilitating learning, that we are um, helping coordinate, we're helping to guide, like it's it's all about helping the learner, you know, get to that point. Um, we are not experts by any means, right? Like I will troubleshoot with you. I will help like figure out a solution. But at the end of the day, like you are going to be the one that like learns it or not. Right. And I'm going to do everything in my power to like help facilitate that. And I, and so I just love that key term for the standard. No, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, so our podcast today, we are talking about professional learning and when we were brainstorming ideas of possible guests, Jared, you had one that like immediately came to mind. Now, I've been in a lot of really bad professional learning sessions over my 20 plus years in education, but lately I've been in some really good professional learning situations. And do you know who stood out to me? Who? Caleb Olson from Student Services in our district. That is such a coincidence because we have him in the studio what today. What a shocker. How do we get him? <laughs> to talk about professional learning. What are the odds? Yeah, welcome, Caleb. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we're glad to have you here today, Caleb. Uh, maybe some of our audience doesn't totally know you out there. So would you mind just giving us a quick rundown of who you are and kind of how you've been involved in Jordan schools and what you're up to today? 
Sure. Uh, my name is Caleb Olson. I have been in Jordan School District. I think this is my 16th year. Mm-hmm. I started off teaching social studies at South Jordan Middle School. I was there for six years or so, and then I went to West Hills Middle as an assistant principal. I was there for a few years, then to Sunset Ridge Middle as an assistant principal. Now I'm in the district office in student services as the enrollment consultant, and I get to work on things like foreign exchange, student data privacy. Um, I work with the district calendars, uh, all sorts of, of random odds and ends, but one of those bits that I'm over is some professional development for uh, district staff and people at schools. And we know that when you go to those professional learnings, boy, that that's an audience that's got very little time mm. and a lot on their plate. So you really have made a, an impact to get them to pay attention and to kind of recognize what you're doing. So we're excited to, uh, that you can share some of those tips and tricks with us today. Um, maybe we were talking about just kind of a little bit of to get to know Caleb beyond his bio. Um, Kira and I were talking about this concept of something that I had just barely learned about. So last week, Kira said to me, you know what you need to look up is I was today years old memes. (laughs) And I said, I don't know what those are. (laughs) So she said, well, you were today's years old when you learned what today years old memes are. So we started thinking about this and I'm kind of curious both to Caleb and to Kira when maybe share something that you hadn't learned before and what kind of was the impact when you learned this kind of new obscure thing or this fact that you kind of blew your mind? Maybe we'll start with you, Caleb. What's one of those things that once you learned it, you couldn't unlearn it? Yeah. So I don't know when this one came across my, uh, my life, but the one that popped into my head when I was thinking about that was, um, um, a meme I saw that was a reminder that turtles don't live in their shells. Turtles are their shells. And there's a picture which obviously doesn't work for a podcast audience. But if you think about it, it <laughs> makes sense that, that that's what a turtle is. But I'm of an age where, you know, we had Saturday morning cartoons. And one of the yeah. big tenets of that was that turtles could take their shells on and off and do various things. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, life-changing for me to to learn because... I don't know what to believe anymore now that, that that's not true. But that's the one that jumped out to me most. Turtles so are don't... you telling me that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are not heroes in a half shell? They are heroes with a half shell? I, I think that's probably the more accurate way to put it. They are their half shell. Wow. Okay. This is news to me to say that. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, like, little things like this, like, that's what the whole meme is about, right? It's, like, little things that you're like, oh, my gosh, this changes the way that I view the world. But um, the one that came to my mind was, I was, like, old enough to know better. Um, but I had a friend who studied geography in college, and she was like, do you know that, like, the number of continents is a cultural figment like pretty much so like we grow up saying that there's seven continents right in other parts of the world depending on how they see the world they have different numbers of continents and it blows my mind (laughs) so wait this isn't a fact like this is debatable it is i'm with two social studies teachers here so i'm completely out of my element caleb what are you talking about here we i was just talking with my 15 year old last night about this that that if you want to be technical there are three continents there are the americas which are one there's afro eurasia which is the rest of the world and then (laughs) everything that's an island is basically the last continent so yeah depending on how you want to want to cut it you can make I mean, there are ways you could do it where there's nine or, or more continents, wow. too. But it, it's it's a cultural construct. Yes. 
That's See, a better way of putting it. And I was blown away years ago when I just found out that there was something called Pangea. So like <laughs> that we were all one big continent, you know? So, yeah. I mean, this is, this is news to me. Well, I mean, it's also interesting too, because when you look at like maps of the world or like even in your emojis of the globe, yeah. they have different perspectives because depending on where you are in the world, that like, that's your view of the world, right? So whenever I draw a globe, which, you know, how often that is. But I always draw North and South America front and center, right? But someone else in a different part of the world, like, their world is the center of the world. And so they would draw, like, India at the heart of their globe or, like, Korea or, like, wherever they are, not North and South America because that's my perspective. So. Yeah, I had a great map when I was teaching social studies that had Australia at the top instead of at the bottom because yes. if you're in the <laughs> Southern Hemisphere, that's the way the world is. Yes, it's so, yeah. I love maps too. So, so Kara, I always just kind of conceptualize that when you would draw a map, mm -hmm. it would have you at the center of the globe. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> but then also, 100%. So. <laughs> well... <laughs> We are learning all kinds of new things. Like today, I've learned two new things just with the today I learned. So there's a good look into That's our world mean. here. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is kind of, it's a great way for us to build into today's topic where we're talking about professional learning because mm -hmm. so often when teachers go to professional learning situations, um, teachers are experts in a lot of things. And so it's really hard to kind of get them to engage with information yes. because there's so much that they feel like they've already got on their plates. Well, also too, there's always that phrase that teachers make the worst students, right? And it's kind of a combination of what we've talked about. Like their time is precious. They already know a lot. They've seen it all before. Um, but it's like human beings like to learn things like and there's ways to tap into that and to make it worth their time and interesting and engaging. Um, it's just about finding that right mixture. So we don't want to say that teachers are the worst students because they're a big part of our audience. So like, <laughs> no, but like, I'm not, I didn't just make that up. Like know, that I phrase know. exists and teachers say it all the time as like an excuse of why they're checked out of Do professional development. You know, I always joke that when teachers say that, because the teacher will say that in a professional development that I'm doing and I'll say, no, principals have you guys beat. Principals are the worst. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> principals. Uh, you can say that because you, you used to be a principal. I used to be one. That's right. Yeah. And I work with them, but boy, they don't. Yeah, that's friendly fire when it comes yes. from you over there. So, <laughs> Well, let's let's kind of jump into our topic just a little bit. Caleb, maybe, maybe start with just sharing something about some of the professional learning that you've experienced. What was one that either you created or that you attended that really stands out to you? Yeah, one that that stands out to me is is one that I did in my current job about a year or two ago. I was talking, I, I made a training for assistant principals and for teachers about um, student privacy and keeping information confidential. And as I was preparing for it, one of the things that came to mind was um, a concern that I had a lot when I was in the schools about people who would just share information with their with their colleagues, with their coworkers, with their neighbors that they shouldn't, yeah. and how quickly that information could spread. So I had the idea to, to go on Amazon, and I bought a cat-shaped bubble gun that I could turn on in the presentation and, and let 
let bubbles kind of fill the room and then talk about how when when the bubbles leave the gun, I don't have any control about what happens to them. They go where they want to go. They interact with whoever they want to interact with, and it's outside of my control. So in my presentation, I talked about how that's like student data. And as soon as you share information, you don't have control over where it goes, and it, it will go where it wants to go, and it will be shared with who it wants to be shared with. So the only way you can control the bubbles is to maybe go in a closed room to mm -hmm. use the bubble gun, maybe shoot them into the corner so they don't you know, catch an air, an air draft and, and go all over the place. It's same thing with student information. You, you go in a closed room, you only talk to people that you know should have that information. And that was something I was, I was really happy with. But why it sticks out to me is I think it's the first time that I've done a training where I've had people come back to me afterwards and say that, um, you know, someone at my school, we were talking in the hallway about a student and, and one of the teachers came up and said, hey, we got to watch where those bubbles are going because <laughs> they, they shouldn't be out here in the hall. And it was the first time where I had trained on a topic using an example and then heard back that someone had had taken that example kind of to heart and had had shared it at their school and was using it to to help reinforce the, the concept so that's one that really sticks out to me uh, that I've been responsible for or that I've helped to to put out there mm -hmm. so from that example um you helped make the learning concrete by showing this uh metaphor? I don't know how to describe it. This, this tool, right, to make yeah. the learning stick. Um, so what are some of your like requirements or rules of thumb to making learning stick? Boy, it is a tough question because a lot of the, the training that I will do or that I get the chance to do is going to be in a principal meeting or an assistant principal meeting or some setting where I don't have a whole lot of time and I also don't get to prep the audience like I might want to right. or have as much introduction. You know, if you're in the classroom, you can you can build to a topic over a couple of days mm. or you can lay some groundwork. And if you're doing a, a professional learning activity for a faculty, for administrators, for other groups, usually it's, you know, we were just talking about student wellness or crisis response. And now we're going to talk, have yeah. Caleb come up and talk about whatever he's got to talk about. So it, it can be tricky to make something stick when you can't prepare where it's going. But, you know, that's, there are two parts to something being sticky. It, it can be the surface that you're trying to work with and it can be what you're trying to make stick. So I don't control the surface as much. I can't, I can't make things, make my audience be prepared, but I can try and make sure that what I'm doing is, is the, the best or the most likely to stick that it can be. Um, and some of that is just trying to make sure that my side is as prepared and as ready to go as it as it can be and I try to be as engaging as I can be um, I, I have a, a firm belief or one of the things I, I try not to ever do is just sit and read a PowerPoint slide to somebody yeah. you know that's something that um, if that's what I'm going to do I may as well just hand out a handout and give the time back to the meeting for whatever else needs to happen so I try to keep that in mind and as I present try to structure it in a way that's going to be um, as engaging as possible. I, I don't usually get to present on things like uh, how to, you know, how to fill out a form or, or something that's concrete where there's an example they can go through. It's more of a, a topic that has gray areas that's got mm. cases and, and lights and dark. So it's, it's, the sort of thing where there are always going to be questions or people will listen and say, well, yeah, he, he can say that, but that's not how it is at my school because my experience is different or my situation is different. So I try to make sure when I present that I 
have my presentations be as focused on the topic and do my my preparation in advance to be as as ready and as set and as good to go as I can before I go into presentation. That That's kind of the, the basic level, the introduction, helping things be more sticky to an audience. Yeah. Well, in one way that I've noticed that you like to make things sticky or kind of resonate with your audience is you try and bring in either props of some kind or visuals that help make the learning more concrete. Um, you mentioned the bubble gun earlier, but maybe just share with our audience just a little bit about some of the different props that you've used to help make things kind of resonate or connect with your audience? Yeah, someone once said, and, and gosh, I don't know who it was, but the principals are the worst audience. And, and that's something that I've tried to remember <laughs> as I go in. And it, it's mostly true, but also principals who I usually are presenting for have 400 other things going on at a time. And yeah. if you give them a moment of peace, a lot of them will say, well, great, I've got 10,000 emails from yesterday that need to be processed through. So what I've tried to to figure out is ways that I can make topics that are, let's be honest, really, really boring, a little bit more interesting. And sometimes that's the best way to make it an engaging topic for the people you're presenting. Because if I have 10 minutes to cover a topic, I may not have the time to do um, a discussion or a partner activity or something along those lines. So I, I've got to be as, I've got to hit the ground running as, as best I can. So I did a presentation to administrators in our district about um, tracking enrollment, which is not a super exciting topic. And I did it with uh, some water beads, some Orbeez, I, not Orbeez, I, they weren't Orbeez, <laughs> they were not, they were water beads <laughs> that I got off the internet. But um, I used those in a bunch of different plastic containers and buckets and poured them back and forth because I thought the way I can make this interesting is instead of talking about what it's like when students fill a building, I can show what it's like when something little and small fills a container. And then it it kind of makes it a hands-on activity, even though I'm the only one whose hands right. are on anything. It's just a way to um, try and bring make the presentation a little more entertaining. And some of that has come out because I've presented on enrollment and permits to principals, I think, four years in a row. And I don't usually get the chance to, you know, have have my audience do an exit ticket or take a survey or a quiz afterwards. Mm -hmm. The only way I know if, if my presentation is being successful is if I give a presentation today and then next week I get questions that are exactly what I presented on, I know my presentation didn't work. Yeah. So I have the opportunity to present on the same thing over and over again. And I try not to present the same thing, but I can say, Last year, I talked about these three things, and I got questions about one of them. So that one I need to hit more this year. I need to change my presentation to focus on. And if I can make it more interesting by bringing in an object lesson or an example, then then that makes it more fun for me as a presenter as well. And if that's a, a goofy hat or a, a bucket of, of water beads or a bubble gun, then that's what it has to be. Do you know one thing that I've noticed as you do that, though? It's, it's interesting because your topics are always very serious and very important. But because you can bring that entertainment value to it, you disarm all the principals so that they don't feel anxious about it. You give them license to receive the information without being necessarily stressed out while they're receiving it. And that allows them to absorb it better. I, I appreciate hearing you say that. I, I really try to approach things that I do as we can have a serious topic, but still have fun talking about right. it. We don't have to be 
serious in everything we do. You know, I, I will present sometimes to the school board, which is probably a, the most serious setting sure. you can be in. But that doesn't mean I can't make a joke or, or try and have fun with it because if if I was presenting to my peers or a group of principals or people that I think I get along with at the district, that's what I would do. I would we would have some fun and we would we would enjoy ourselves. And you know, I don't have the time to to have the board get to know me, but I can start from the perspective of, well, we're all friends here, so we're gonna have this conversation in the way that I would if if we were we were all friends and we're gonna have a good time. Perfect time now to go to a commercial break. Hey everyone, this is the Red Tail Radio Podcast. We create podcasts and sometimes interview people and have special guests. We are sixth grade students from Fox Hollow Elementary. Hi, I'm Lainey and I'm host number two. I'm Mac and I'm host number one. I'm Carter and I'm the technician. To find us, you will go to you will search up Fox Hollow Elementary and you can click the first link and it should say introducing Red Tail Radio Podcast and then you press play and you can enjoy our podcast. So when we broadcast, we broadcast once a month, and you should come check out our next podcast at foxhollow.jordandistrict.org. Hey, welcome back, everybody, from our lovely commercial break. Okay, so Caleb, you were you were saying earlier before the commercial break about um, some of the things that you do to make sure that your professional learning sticks, and I really liked the... Again, I'm going to say metaphor, and I don't think that's the right word for it. But um, it drew such a, a vivid picture in my mind of creating, like, a surface that can stick and having material that can stick, right? And immediately my mind thought to those horrible little, like, sticky slime balls. Oh, the, once they're there, they yeah. can't get rid of them. Yeah, and so it was like, oh, you know, will it stick to tinfoil? Will it stick to roughed-up concrete? Will it stick to, you know, like these like stupid ceiling tiles like they will never <laughs> leave that um so th- that image was really concrete in my mind which i think is a key point of what you're saying right like you have to make it concrete you have to make it real for the people um so we want to reference this article yeah it's like it's a book part of a chapter from oh, okay. a book yeah um it's called in Teaching that sticks, the authors reference six principles of sticky learning. Uh, make it simple, unexpected, concrete, credible, emotional, or have a story. Which of those elements do you think has the biggest impact? I think the biggest one would be the concrete one. I think mm. that has stood out to me the most as I read through the article, and, and that's probably the one I try to incorporate the most because like I said, a lot of the things that I that I get to be responsible for or train on aren't the type of things where there's always going to be an answer or there's always going to be an explanation. It's the sort of situation where you need a little bit of knowledge and then use that knowledge to try and make the best guess or make the best decision you can. So anything I can do to take that kind of abstract concept and make it more specific or more clear, even if it's something like students are like water beads in a jar mm-hmm. or the amount of information you get as a teacher is like the number of crayons in a box. And some people have lots of crayons and some people have very few crayons, but they're all crayons and they all work. That can help take something that people might normally not really pay attention to or say, oh yeah, I've already, I know that, I've heard that a bunch of times and actually make it sink in. I think that same sort of thing applies to to students. I remember when I was in the, the classroom, 
I used to teach one of the, the topics I taught in ninth grade was latitude and longitude. And that's something that most students don't have a lot of experience with or understanding of. And yeah. it doesn't make a lot of sense, but kind of conceptual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a great ex- uh, lesson I got from my mentor teacher where we would push all the desks to the side of the room and tape out a grid on the floor and have kids bring a stuffed animal and throw it into the grid and then measure, you know, find where the stuffed animals fell based on using a grid coordinate. And that made latitude and longitude make sense because it wasn't this abstract concept that covers the whole planet. It was this box right here on the floor and, and where your stuffed animal is compared to your friends, that sort of making it concrete can take a lot of subjects and make them more clear, even if your way of making it concrete has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Even mm-hmm. if you're taking that topic and making, say, bubbles be mm-hmm. the concrete example or something that seems unrelated, it gives gives something to build off of. Well, and it makes me think of, too, like schema theory and how, like, that's how we learn is by making connections, sometimes, too, to separate things. But as soon as we make that mental connection to that thing, it becomes... Uh, cemented in our brain and like the more often we make that connection the more likely we are to remember that so it's like a like a mind mapping kind of thing um jared i'm interested in what you thought when you read that article like what is of those six elements what do you think is the most important do you know i i mean i always think that a master teacher can take complex ideas and make them simple like that one, that one really stands out to me. I'll tell you one thing that stood out to me though, just while we were all talking, because I think, you know, if I was to ask a teacher, what really helps you to connect with your students, they would say it's stories, right? And the challenge with stories, they're really positive, And sometimes though, they can really go awry mm-hmm. because you could have a really emotional story that has a lot of those elements that brings everybody in, but it doesn't connect to the learning, right? Like, we all think that we're master storytellers at times as teachers. And sometimes those stories just are good stories, but they don't necessarily come back to the point of where you started. Right. (laughs) So I think that's like, that's why I say take complex ideas and make them simple is a really master skill for a teacher. What about you? Um, I think, I mean, I agree with everything that has been said, like simple, concrete. Um, that's what like, will stick out in their brain. That's why we talk about making it sticky. But it's it's that thing that they'll go back to again and again that they'll recall in their brain. Um, but I thought what was most interesting was the unexpected element. Um, because when you look at like stand-up comedians and the, how they talk about their work, um, that's what humor is, is the unexpected twist in the story or the unexpected like approach to a a situation that's where the humor is found and I think that's also where like the learning is found because you're taking what is known your background information or what you knew before and you're taking it in a new direction somewhere that you weren't expecting to go or something that you didn't know now you do and so um I think the more often you can incorporate those moments of aha um, in the learning, the more likely you are to make it stick, make it memorable. And that's one thing, Caleb, about your example with the generic Chinese water beads that really resonated with people. You did some things by showing them what happens when you start filling these that did kind of catch them off guard, right? I'm sure that was one of your intentions with that lesson. 
it was one of the things I hoped we would have, but um, there's always that risk of this could be a complete disaster. <laughs> you know, I, a I good did, lesson always is teetering <laughs> on that edge. Had a moment where I thought, what if I'm in front of all of the principals of the district and I dump 45,000 water beads all over the floor at the front of the room? <laughs> so it was a calculated risk, but it also came out kind of from what you've both said of I've done, I've presented on that topic several times before, and I got asked the same questions every time. So I thought part of being simple is not just reducing the, the depth that can be simple, but it can also be reducing the amount. So I thought I've presented on this before where I've tried to cram as much as I could into the time, because I don't know when I'm going to get time again. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't really worked. So maybe I can take the first little part how students fill up a school and how you hire teachers and make that a much deeper topic. And that depth can also be simple because now we're talking about one thing in a lot of detail and making sure we all understand it instead of trying to fit 18 topics in the time that I've been given. So important, right? Mm -hmm. Like teachers deal with this all the time is whether we go for breadth or depth, right? Because there's a lot of things that we need to cover, Mm -hmm. but covering them with a very shallow surface understanding of it doesn't really help either. Yeah. Well, and, and when you go for depth over breadth, you allow the students to personalize their learning to the material in a way that, that makes it more memorable too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm, I really understand this because I've been allowed to explore it to a depth where before if it you had just inundated me with information, right. I might not have had the chance to make it personal to me and make it stick for me. Mm. So Caleb, one of the questions that I have is as you finish a presentation or as you do a professional learning workshop or something like that, you kind of have different levels of feedback. So you might get somebody that comes up to you and says, oh, you are so funny. I love what you did, but I don't remember the content. I just remember the hat or I remember the beads or something like that. Tell me a little bit about what what do you see as being effective feedback when you finish a presentation or a professional learning workshop? What I look for to know that, that the presentation has really hit home or that it's been effective is not if I stop getting questions about it or not if people um, know what it is perfectly, but it's when I get a call from a principal who says, I remember when you presented on this, you said, A, but I feel like my situation is a little different. So here's what I'm thinking, and can you tell me if I'm on the right track? Mm-hmm. Where, where they say, not just that they remembered the presentation, but I remembered your presentation and I don't think it really applies, but I'm not sure. Mm. So the feeling that I come away with then is they listened and they enjoyed it, hopefully, but also they applied it to their situation enough that they could go a little further than they were maybe comfortable with before Mm. and then realized, okay, I I've used the knowledge that I got, but now I'm not sure if it, if I'm on the right path and I need to get some help. You know, it's always going to be fine for for a student or a teacher or a principal to call and ask the same question every year. That, you know, I do this all the time and they do it once. That's fine. Ask the question. But what I really feel is good feedback is when the person says, I heard what you said. I've tried to do it the best I can. And now my problem is a little bit different. Or there's a new piece to it that you didn't talk about or that didn't I didn't think about that now I need some help with. Mm. I like the the concept of like yes and right like in improv it's like 
yes, I took your information and I'm building on that or I'm exploring new territory or I'm taking it in a new direction. Like that's a great assessment of learning, right? Because they're not just going over known material or known discovered land. It's, it's the unexpected. It's the blazing a new path. Yeah. It's critical thinking, right? Yeah. Like they've, they've taken what you shared, Caleb, in the presentation. They've tried to apply it. They've now, this is where they're maybe encountering some cognitive dissonance about this is what you said. This is what I'm encountering. Boy, so positive for anybody who's a teacher or doing professional learning when you're, when your learner wants to go further. Yeah. yeah. One that we say a lot in student services, uh, thanks in part to our director, Travis Hamblin is, is not yes. And, but what he says is comma, but, so I know you told me this comma, but I have a little bit of a different problem, or this doesn't exactly match the framework you, you described, or this is a little different than I expected based on what you told me. How do I proceed here? Or, or how do I apply that in the way that works out the best? So it's, it's that understanding of, I heard it, I enjoyed it, but now I'm at the edge of what I now know, even though that edge is a little farther than it was in the past, and I need some help. So maybe a final question. I'm just kind of curious. You've, you've worked with students. You're working with adults right now. What do you like best about both groups when you're teaching them? Like what, what kind of gets you excited when you're teaching adults? And what did you like most about teaching kids? You know, what I like most about uh, teaching adults is just the chance to actually teach again. Because a lot of my job can be paperwork and forms and emails and that sort of thing. So really, I just enjoy the chance to be able to be in front of a group of people with something that I know that I'm excited to tell them about. Because when I, when I was in the classroom, um, I got to teach about cultures and new areas and uh, geography and, and things that my students often hadn't heard about at all. And it was a lot of fun to share something and see a student say, that's something I've never heard about. I had no idea that turtles weren't in their shell. They were the shell. (laughs) And now that's changed the way I view things. And I don't get that as much when it's paperwork and forms, but when I get to be in front of a group and share something and you see people's, the light come on and say, now I know something I didn't know before. And it, it helps me to understand better. That's the part that I really enjoy. And the beautiful thing is, is you get that with students, you get that with teachers, like it's that human aspect of learning and being part of a group. That's just a really beautiful alchemy, I think. I think you've articulated what every teacher who's now working in the district office would say, that that's still the best part of our lives when we get to be teachers, because that's what we're here to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, Caleb, we sure appreciate your time and being a guest on our podcast this month. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Kara, as we come to the end of our conversation, it's time for a Jordan Journey pit stop. We're coming back real quick for our pit stop with Caleb. Um, What is something awesome, wonderful, exciting happening in your world that you want to give a shout out to? In my world? (laughs) Well, I'll share something in the student services world, if that works. (laughs) I'm awfully excited that uh, our teams in student services are working for the Health and Wellness Day in February. That is now the second year that we've done that with with help and support from the board and superintendent and cabinet. Um, It's something that 
I don't think a lot of other districts are focusing on. And it's something I haven't really worried about all that much. You know, I became an assistant principal and my diet was mainly Dr. Pepper and Snickers that I found from somewhere. And so wellness is something that I need to think more about. And I, I enjoy the opportunity we have in our district for that day every every February now to to think about wellness and try and take advantage of some different opportunities. Well, we love that as part of Wellness Week, we got swig last week because nothing says mental wellness <laughs> like a 44-ounce swig. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. 44 ounces. It just seems so big. Like, I, I usually get like a 24 or 32, which isn't that much smaller than a 44, but it feels a lot smaller than a 44. Oh, my go gosh. Go bigger, go home. Like, go bigger, go <laughs> I will have to tell you a funny story. So when I was living in Nephi, um, this was just when drink shops started becoming super popular. That's how every funny popular. story <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so we went to one of the drink shops and we're like, oh, it's kind of cold outside. Like we want a hot chocolate. And they're like, well, what size do you want? And I was like, what's the biggest size you have? <laughs> it was, I think it was like a 44 <laughs> hot chocolate and a giant styrofoam cup. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. You like all. melt your hands when you try and wrap it around. <laughs> it was also impossible to drink because you, you can't drink 44 ounces of hot liquid. Like it was so much. Now, some of our coffee drinkers out there would disagree with you, just so you know. 44, but. anyway, mistakes were made, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it always makes me think of, so... So Kara, as we wrap up our conversation about professional learning facilitators, uh, what was some of the key points that you got out of our conversation with Caleb today? Well, I just, I loved how intentional he is about his professional learning, right? It shows um, just how well he knows his audience, which I think is key to any type of teaching situation, right? Like you need to know who your students are, who your audience is. and then tailoring the learning to that audience is also key, right? We talked a lot about what makes learning sticky. Um, and I loved, and I said this in the podcast earlier, like I love that metaphor of like the background, like yeah. the, the contact surface, like you can spend a lot of time preparing that or the material, you can prepare that. And when the two are like the right mix, that's when it sticks, you know? And when you're intentional, when you've like put in the forethought, you've put in the work, um, you can make it really impactful. There's a great quote that I heard attributed to Abraham Lincoln, where someone was asking him to give a speech. And he said, if you want me to talk for an hour I need five minutes notice. Mm. If you want me to talk for 10 minutes, I need a week's note or a day's notice. Mm. And if you want me to talk for five minutes, I need a week's notice because he wanted to have that impact. And that's something like you just said about Caleb. Like we see that, right? Mm -hmm. Good professional learning or good speaking doesn't just happen. You have to be very intentional about what you do. And that's, I think a big thing, what we heard today. Yeah. All about being concrete and simple, but yet, still really impactful. Yep. Well, we appreciate all of you listening. We hope that your next professional development session that you attend or that you lead is a positive one. Happy learning. Thanks for joining us on the Jordan journey. Great stories from great teachers in Jordan school district. See you on the next trip.